0: The guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now, leave a message, they will return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. There you can ask a question via the listener inquiry button or listen to old archive shows good morning gentlemen good to see you all uh i thought we'd all be well rested and relaxed by now but everybody's got that look of confusion on their face today
2: well it certainly has been it's been a whirlwind um of course we've we've been all part of this political soap opera as the world has been looking on and and watching what's been going on and what hasn't been going on and there seems to be still some confusion, and nothing's been settled. And maybe it, who knows if the Supreme Court may settle this? As of yet, nobody really knows at this stage.
1: You know, you bring up a very valid point. Even though we are where we are, who knows what can happen moving forward? So it's uh, it, it's still a it, it's still a very bizarre situation, isn't it? Well,
2: maybe by next Saturday we'll have more yeah, discussion yeah. on this. Good point. <laughs> well, and I was, as I was thinking about
3: uh, our our session this morning, I thought, boy, we. We really, um, you know, there's probably some key issues around the election and some key issues, obviously, around the pandemic that are still at the forefront for everybody in terms of you know, stock market concern, etc. And I think, um, you know, volatility, there, there's an index called the VIX, V-I-X index, which measures the amount of volatility in the stock market. And there's been periods of, you know, where it's extremely high and very low. And in the in the months leading up to the election, we we saw that VIX index, that volatility index, rise substantially. And then, um, and I think that we're still going to have continued volatility until everything is 100% clear. So I think that's probably one of the big messages I want listeners to take away is that, you know, we, we can see, we've seen, super high positive upticks in the stock market this week and we've also seen drops in the stock market so it's been um uh you know the volatility reality is here to stay actually i want to share a funny story we have not a funny story but it was an indication so on on tuesday on election day we had uh been in communication with a client and um just updating them on a, a couple of things. And they had some questions. Uh, they, they were dealing with some health issues. But at the end of the day, they said, you know, I just have to tell you, I got a email from a, uh, a longtime relative of ours who's been in California for 60 years. So left Canada, went to California and has been there for 60 years. And on election day, you know, in the evening, as things unfolded, uh, She sent this frantic email to her relatives here in Hamilton and said, uh, "Okay, I want you to talk to your financial advisor. I'm worried that Biden's going to win, which is a good thing, but that there's going to be mayhem. How do I get all my money out of the U.S. and into Canada? (laughs) That was her comment. Now, I'm thinking this woman, after being there 60 years, is probably... You know, maybe in her seventies or eighties. So she, you know, she's she's not uh, young by any means, and seen a lot of this over time. But her fear about um, just mayhem in the streets, or just concern about safety and security. In the election, not not so much that Biden is going to be elected, but what the the, the, the aftermath will be. Yeah, what the followed is. You know, drove her to this sort of position. She needs to get all her money out of the U.S. and into Canada. You know, and of course, she wants it done yesterday. So, and it's
1: and, and it's, you know, and, and it's as
3: we know in the
2: financial world that's not going to happen.
1: So and it's not you know, like but, and it's not like she can just take it all out, put it in a paper bag, and drive it up here because she's not allowed across the border.
2: That's right. <laughs> you can't even come across <laughs> with a, a giant suitcase of it. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. a cross between this election and the pandemic has been a bit of a perfect storm. And so you do have yeah. people focused on the election a lot more than possibly they would have been because they're not able to do a lot of other things. So it, it's, you know, they've already watched all the Netflix they can watch. They, they, they've gone enough walk, taken the dog for a walk or whatever they can do. And, and they're virtually, it's, it's almost like a theater that's, that's grabbed them. And they're, everybody's on in this theater together because there's a lot, not a lot of travel, of course. And so it that's heightened the senses of how important this election has been. That being said, take a look at the long-term plan. And how does this four-year stint of, or eight-year stint of the next president, depending who wins, really affect your long-term plan? And that's what we always have to go back to. How does the stock market perform over the long haul? How does... Does it beat inflation? Will it accomplish your financial goals? Um, What kind of capital gains is it going to have? You know, regardless of which, if it's Republican or Democrat, yeah, they have different policies. But at the end of the day, really, I've always thought in my own mind that the smartest people in this world are not necessarily the presidents of countries. They're the presidents of companies. And they are very nimble in their way of changing the uh, the direction of a company based on policies set by governments, and this has been shown in the past. Where, you know, uh, a good example would have been say, Google or Apple putting a lot of money offshore because it was too expensive to move it. They would actually borrow to pay for their dividends to their shareholders. But then, a Republican stance was to give them a lower tax rate. They brought that money over. So things, the companies are extremely intelligent. They will make decisions. They they have the brightest and people running their companies and a lot of advisors to make sure they go in their proper direction. So I'm very optimistic, regardless who wins, where the companies will go, and that's really who you're going to vote for. Will there be volatility in this VIX index, as Andy mentioned? Absolutely. There's going to be tons or maybe a lot going forward because we're still in a pandemic. Nothing got lost in this is that we are still watching worldwide record uh, number of cases being exposed. And, of course, that may lead to record number of deaths going forward until vaccine so that will actually have a bigger impact in my opinion going forward at least for the short run and again yeah. this has evolved um companies that have evolved just during this and you can see you know you go a pandemic never mind an election you threw a pandemic in the situation how the companies have changed the way they've done business the good ones and they have thrived during this pandemic because of change now certain ones have no choice um, airline stocks and and cruise stocks—they don't have a lot of choice in that because they—they they can't really change the way they do business. They're still flying and they're still floating, but unless people are going on them. But things that other companies that are doing a lot of um, business now via e-commerce and internet and and therefore and DocuSign, I don't know Andy and I, our whole uh, our whole company changed what was going to take about a year and a half, got done in about what four months, Andy? Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, Don, I think that, that the word that I keep hearing
3: from uh, the business perspective is, and uh, for everybody for that matter, is pivot. Everybody has done a pivot. And, um, but I think, and just sort of backing up what you were saying too, I think the key is to continue to stay disciplined. And what I mean by that in the sense of your investments is what is your current asset allocate? What's your current asset mix? We call it your asset allocation model. Mm-hmm you can revisit that model to understand is it still within a tolerance of where it should be in terms of those weightings and maybe you need to um, do some adjustments to that just to make sure it stays in tune with your risk tolerance. So staying disciplined is so important and um, and I just wanted to you know, remind people too when you think back to 2016 when Trump was, uh, was first elected and the the stock market predictions at that time they were spectacularly wrong
2: they
3: (laughs) they were assuming things were going to go down and it was going to be a disaster nobody wanted to do business in the u.s and you know so i mean they were completely wrong and um and then again i don to your point about COVID 19 which is really the key right now and um you know politics will come and it will go but to the extent that um, COVID-19 is impacting our economic activity, you know, what we did in March in, in terms of a complete shutdown, I think that we've learned a lot about COVID since then. And in terms of those restrictions, I feel that that's something that's going to be much more targeted in terms of shutdowns. And so our ability for the economy to continue and maintain without this these sudden big, uh, big hit to it where, you know, unemployment dropped so dramatically. So... I think that we've learned a lot from that. So these targeted shutdowns will really, uh, I think, be, be the key. And um, the other thing is therapeutics. You know, we've, we've, um, there's still a lot of progress happening in terms of vaccines and the therapeutics in terms of minimizing the death rate of the disease as well. So we're gaining ground on that quickly. And, um, you know, d- despite the uh, President Trump's <laughs> articulation that it's just <laughs> around the corner, that we'll have it by election day um you know we know the science tells us that we're still probably into uh, 2021 before we have a broad-based vaccine available to everybody so therapeutics is going to be a big help so the covid19 is definitely the biggest impact i think in terms of um, where the economy is going and where the stock market will go because as you say don it comes back to earnings and uh if companies can make money and pivot in this environment, then they're going to continue to uh, to continue on the rebound. And you know, we talked about the shape, the letter of the rebound. Was it a U? Was it a W? Was it a K? or you know, and um, it seems like we're pretty solidly in a V recovery, and that rebound is uh, is happening in a lot of sectors. Um, we've seen China GDP uh, back to pre-COVID uh, rates as well. Um, Canadian housing has continued to be strong. U.S. retail has continued to be strong. So there's, you know, sort of, there are countries, in some countries, where there's a double dip, and that is going to be an issue for their economic situation, for sure.
1: You talked about the recovery, what shape, what letter it would be. Many are saying the K. It's showing the signs of, 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 of society splintering. What are your thoughts on that, the K, as uh, yeah, the K's, an example? The K
3: um, is disruptive. We've already talked dis- and concerning too because we've talked about how this is in some sense a she session in the in the context of that um, uh, women were disproportionately affected on the job front and uh, the return to the job front and the impact of things like childcare and having access to it so i hope that um, uh, i hope the u.s maybe with a biden presidency we'll see we'll have a better chance of addressing that K in the division in terms of future stimulus and and fiscal stimulus as well as um, economic stimulus and support. So that's something that's going to be interesting from a political standpoint to see how that unfolds. But I think that would help uh, for sure in terms of the, the K recovery scenario.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Andy Lister, and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. Quick break here. We're coming right back.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900CHML.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. They'll return your call, 905-529-7165, and check out the website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old shows, as well, ask a question via the listener inquiry button. We're talking about the fallout of a U.S. election and an ongoing pandemic, which really, uh, it seems uh, for you two, that seems to be the larger priority rather than the U.S. election, the pandemic.
2: Yeah, that, as Andy agree. just mentioned, yeah. uh, the pandemic is still here. It's uh, it's In fact, it's just gaining some strength because as people uh, let their guard down, uh, then they're moving back in the homes. So and again, um, you know, as Andy mentioned, it's going more targeted, which I believe is the right approach. We didn't know back in March just how you could get it and who it affected as much. And, of course, the elderly are more affected than the younger. And, and the whole school system seems to be working pretty good, a lot better than I think most people thought. So the pandemic is here and companies are going to as Andy mentioned pivot around this ped- pandemic and do well but it's interesting uh, going back to the election just for a sec really at the end of the day we're seeing you know a generally a pretty positive uptick during the election when it took place and, fo- and even the following day because they didn't want from a, a, a stock market perspective they didn't want a democratic president a democratic senate a democratic a house, because then they'd be able to do too much. They're allowed to go maybe to socialism, raise taxes. Raising taxes hurts the economy. There's less money for companies to hire and, and do things, and also raise taxes on, say, people that were making over 400000 I know that's a lot of money, but they also spend that money on a lot of different things once they make that money. So they may not be able to push all their agendas. Getting rid of, say, um, the oil, And and uh, and more and say fracking, so I definitely would have been uh, again pro uh, Biden on this election, but from a a stock market perspective, this is almost the perfect thing that you have a bit of a split house. So it puts a bit of a rein on things. So they can't do all the things that they want to do. No different than if it was Republican. If it was Republican and they won the presidency, the Senate, and the House, it would be just they get to push all their agenda. And, and it's not good for the economy at that stage either, because when, when one area does well, that means another area could do very poorly. So it's interesting um, just how positive the markets were, but they also like certainty. And uncertainty is the worst thing. And so just the fact that the election is kind of over adds some certainty that they, okay, we know we're going to probably have a divided house, a divided area, and then we won't be able to go too far left and too far right. And the middle ground is actually pretty good for the stock market. And so I can see in, say, a month from now, hoping <laughs> that we have everything and we know who the president is and everything. But, OK, that's behind us now. Now what? And with the less focus on the election, and it'll be more focused on where do we move forward. And as you mentioned, Scott, we actually look at the pandemic and how we Pivot around the pandemic and how the experts do and how the companies do to work around that. Now there's going to be some interesting um, government policies, and we look here in Canada. Where's all this money coming from? Will there be some increase in taxes? Where are they going to get the money to pay for all the testing, which I've heard was you know 15 million dollars a day in just testing? Well, that's a that's a lot of money, and you start to say, okay, I talked to one person and he works his son works at a uh, place in bc and they have this phenomenal place that has an ice rink and uh, basically a multi-sports arena rink soccer field everything it's just fantastic it costs 45 million dollars to build well how much better would it be for canada to have one of those put up every three days than simply test for covid as far as helping the overall canadian economy and helping? Canadians in general. Of course, we can't do that. We do have to test for COVID. But that's kind of when you just start thinking about what's $15 million a day, that's a lot of money. And we start to start losing track on how much that money really is. So we do have to start paying for this. And there may be some tax changes. And that's where Andy and I and all the experts that help our clients, how do we do the best tax planning to make sure that you accomplish your financial goals? If you're going to have a Should you pay some capital gains now rather than later? Should you look at a spousal loan, as we talked about last week, at 1%? So financial planning involves everything from not only the investment side, but, of course, the estate planning, the, uh, the tax planning, the insurance planning. And we talked about, again, last week with the testamentary trust and the estate bond. Does that fit? And those have nothing to do necessarily with who won the election. That actually seems small in comparison to what is your your financial goals and how do we and how do we achieve those goals? And I know, um, Don, as we were talking about, I think a lot of times
3: just on that those become the fundamental building blocks of a financial plan. And if, if you have a plan in place, then. Um, I think you tend to be less stressed, and you have a lot more clarity around yes. where you're going and how to make decisions. So you want to take emotion out of the decisions as much as possible, and of course, but for a lot of people, <clears throat> their their plan tends to focus or center around their investments, right? And how are my investments doing well? And um, and and that's an important part. Trust me. Um, and as we were talking about earlier, you know, the earnings are the key to, and profits are what drives share prices higher, as always. There will always be sort of short-term noise that, that will affect the share prices of different companies up and down. But at the end of the day, as you said, um, we maybe have the perfect perfect climate where we have a new presidency, a democratic presidency, but the Senate is going to put limitations on their, their control to either increase taxes or... or Increased regulation, and that's yes. something that uh, business leaders talk about. It's one thing for them and their their ability to move quickly and maybe pivot and do different things based on, um, you know, various legislation or restrictions. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, they don't like to see it changing every four years. So a little bit of change that they can adjust to and adapt to is, is certainly something that's just par for the course. And then we get into, so you're thinking about your investments, we get into the market timers, right? Mm-hmm. And those, those conversations that we inevitably get during times of volatility. And I've had, you know, so one instance where an individual called and said, you know, I've been reading, there's a lot of smart money on the sidelines right now. And so, well, what does that mean? So, well, <laughs> you know, these, these hedge fund managers and other um, smart people, Smart people, in quotations, uh, have put up, you know all this money on the sidelines, waiting. And I, you know, I, I don't think you know why are we, why are we sort of going against the crowd? And I'm thinking against. Well, that's to me, it's not against the crowd. You're you're operating from a plan. You're operating from an asset allocation model. You have a strategy and a system in place. When you start talking about trying to time the market, it's you're you're basically making guesses. Educated guesses is what you're trying to do. But what are you going to do? Are you going to crystallize losses on things right now? So if you have something that's down, do you want to actually lock in those losses in the hope of of trying to get into something else that will increase in value? What if you have gains? If you have gains on your portfolio, are you going to pay the tax on that now and then sit on the sidelines? And what everybody who's trying to do the market timing strategy is they want to wait for the bottom right? That's the idea is you're trying to get out at the top and you're waiting for the bottom. How stressful is that? Yeah, well, by the time, and you want to confirm that bottom, right? You want to feel like, how do you confirm the bottom of the market? And usually the only way that you confirm the the bottom of the market is when you see it start to go up, right? Right. Some kind kind of regular uh, uh, reversal and trend going up. And a disproportionate amount of increase in a stock's performance from a bottom happens really quickly very early in a recovery so for the most people by the time they've confirmed the bottom they've already missed 5 10 15% of a recovery and now they're now they want to get back in so it's so difficult to do that and we know finally the thing I'll say is that 70% of the time stocks go up 30% of they go down so in a 10 year period you got to think think long term you to have 7 years of positive growth, you're going to have 3 years of negative growth. Throw it into the mix, you don't know when they're going to happen, but just know it is reality and that's just life.
1: Do you do you have any idea of what the, and I'm sure you do of what the profile is of someone who is constantly trying to do that versus someone who just sits back and I'm not worrying about it. I, you know, I'll just let it play out the, the way that it it's changes, supposed
3: to is right? And I, one 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 category of that group Scott to answer is uh, can often be early retirees, yeah. new retirees. Yeah. That makes right sense. Now they, that makes sense. They've shifted to a different mindset. Now their their money is their sort of source of income, and they become hyper focused on yeah. Yeah. where the stocks are going and where their investments are going on a day to day or weekly basis. So that's certainly one big
1: category. Uh, of but it would what seem we see come out of this. It would seem someone who is more aggressive. Would be more willing to put their hands on it, or not a, you know not able to keep their hands off it per se. Much like betting on a horse or playing and at Vegas or what have you.
2: Yes. You're Whereas you're this is something right, complete. Guys, this is completely
1: different, right?
2: You're, it's interesting that uh, I would suggest it's mainly males, and there's been studies on this. They call it the testosterone effect, and and it really showed that married un, unmarried males were had the lowest returns versus married females that had the highest returns because they didn't want to get their hands in it and try to control it. And they had a, you know, a significant difference in return. And what we're seeing now is that people are spending more time at home, and they're reading. As, as I mentioned earlier, they got more time cooped up, not doing the things they want to do, more time to read, and what are they reading quite often is obviously the politics that have been going on, but also investing. And so we are getting some calls from people we've never heard from before that all of a sudden seem more interested in the performance. And why about this? And they're hearing, of course, some great performance in certain areas. And those areas, such as, say, Zoom, which is you know, the way we're actually talking right now, actually, uh, or Microsoft Teams, which is the way we're doing, but the same idea of virtual conference call. Those stocks are going through the roof, and they are not even making money. They don't even have earnings to the most part, yet the stocks are going up, and they hear about these stocks are going up 400%. Yet they look at their own portfolio, and they say, wow, we're actually negative 1% year-to-date or even or minus 2%, whatever the case is. And so there's this disconnect right now between these high-flying technology companies that aren't even making money, to and the stock price is going down rocketing up in their own portfolio and you have to realize those pie in the skies it wasn't long ago we were talking about marijuana companies and two years ago why aren't we in marijuana stocks now again andy and i we don't get these calls often but it does come up in conversation because we are looking at the long haul we look at diversification we look at allocation of your mix but at the end of the day these are still things that are newsworthy they hit the front pages of papers and certainly on websites of here why aren't you in these bitcoin was before that (laughs) okay and right now i'm not suggesting zoom won't do well or tesla won't do well but to justify their price right now is is very difficult to do so and so and having the banks and having diversification having all the sectors is the way that you actually reduce risk and it's funny risk is risk when it goes up 400%, it also means it can go down and lose it all. It, it goes both ways. And people only look at the greed side until it starts to go the other way. Then they look at the fear side of the equation and realize, oh, I wouldn't want it to go down 80%, but I'm okay if it goes up
3: 80%. Well, and uh, in answering your question, Scott, I, and I'm sort of piggybacking on what Don said, the actual conversation I had was with a male. there you go (laughs) about uh changing you know the smart money on the sidelines and uh and wanting to sort of more self-direct this portfolio and um so then i this was in august actually that i we had this conversation and so uh september went by and nothing happened i never heard from them about uh, making any changes or switches and uh and so i sent them a note and i said oh i guess um i guess you've been happy with the results of your portfolio because i haven't heard from you in the last month about this you know changing to cash etc and uh and i pointed out i actually did an analysis so their portfolio over the last um 12 months was actually up 15 percent hmm. so you know which I, i'm not sure what rate of return they were trying to achieve or thought they could achieve but i thought that was pretty good so And then the answer is no, no, no. We're uh, just—it's just been we've been distracted, and there's uh, and we haven't, you know, figured out what paperwork to do yet, et cetera. And I was thinking, well, if if you don't have, if you can't, if you're trying to time the market and you're ignoring it for a month, then um, you're not really in the market timing game.
1: Good point. Good point. So
3: it was a. uh, a male in his mid 30s that was uh, that was attempting to do
2: this was and, he single uh, or married Andy married oh, okay married well, there
3: you go yeah. but but also sort of um, in in the banking industry in the context of being um, more up on financial information I you see. know yeah. and so uh, a, a a greater level of knowledge or sophistication in terms of of his experience through his workplace. And um, so, you know, it's not that people do manage their own portfolios, but I'd also point to to him and I said, listen, right now, um, the way your portfolio works in terms of a managed portfolio is you have some of the smartest people in the world looking after various segments of your portfolio. You've got BlackRock, the largest money manager in the world, looking after your U.S. investments. You've got J.P. Morgan Chase, one of the uh, preeminent financial uh, investment companies, looking after your emerging markets and international investments. You've got um, you know great companies here in Canada, Jaroslawski Fraser, McKenzie Financial, These are smart people who on a daily basis, not every month, (laughs) you know, when they've got time, are uh, making decisions for you about what to buy and what to hold. They're not going to make a call to go to 100% cash. And we know that historically that's always been too risky. That is in the the genre of a hedge fund type of approach where they are trying to time the market. But you're not hearing about any great hedge fund results that um, to write home to, you know. And there's no flock of money going to the hedge funds these days because the uh, the long term reality is that nobody can time the market, and you're better to stick with a plan and make sure you've got uh, a good
2: team behind you looking after it for you. And and it's interesting. At the end of the day, we help the clients accumulate money, and then they have enough, and then they help to live on that money. And when it really is, we give advice along the way to make sure they do it as efficiently as possible. But really, optimism is really the only reality. And pessimism doesn't pay off. And you look anything long term, optimism is always the
1: reality. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Quick break here. We're coming back.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program, unless otherwise identified. The guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. All right. Uh, if something is, uh, sounds too good to be true, it often is. is. Does that apply to finances as well?
2: Oh, absolutely. We're, you know, you know, Andy and I are in the money management business, of course, as financial planners. And with that, in our clients, they obviously have access to banks and other places. And, and high net worth clients are often bombarded with information and certainly maybe try to get strayed to go elsewhere. And so I've had a couple of situations in the last week, and it was kind of interesting. Um, one one example was the person that was speaking to my client said that their risk tolerance they could do a lot better in terms of performance. And I thought, okay, well you're a medium risk person because you have so much in fixed income, fair bit in conservative, and like dividend things that pay dividends and. Some in pure equity funds, emerging markets, you're diversified across the world. And the, the example that they gave was a Fidelity fund, which was called the Global Innovator Fund, and it had done in the past two years 106%. And it was told to them that this is the similar risk that they would have in the portfolios that, that we offer. So I did a little work on this. I'm thinking, okay, that seems just too good to be true. So, how two, 106%? in a two year period. So I looked at it, in fact it's done 80% this year. So first thing is, it, it's done a lot recently. Most of that return was done in year to date. Second thing was this this fund hadn't even been around for three years. So they had no long-term performance. So they had to give it a two-year span. It hadn't even met their three year yet. And thirdly, I, I looked in Morningstar, who is a, a rating system, and it's considered high in terms of the risk. Now, to put that in perspective it turns out we didn't even offer a fund that was rated high even our global science and technology fund which is in my opinion higher risk because it's only in one sector was considered medium high so it wasn't comparing apples to apples and i looked further into the performance of it and yes as i mentioned earlier guess which kind of stocks it had it had all the technology stocks and particularly the pandemic stocks if you will things that makes your life easier um, Shopify from Canada was there, Zoom out of the U.S. was there, um, DocuSign, things. And those have done, gone through the roof, but again, with very little earnings. So, so once I mentioned this to this person, they said, oh, okay, well, they didn't actually back down. So they're still a little reluctant. I said, well, your dividend fund is considered medium, uh, low-medium. It's not even considered medium. So just putting it in perspective, you know, if you are ever looking at a performance, it's not a, if there's a huge return that's an outlier, it means there's more risk, guaranteed. And so right now, year-to-date, the S&P 500, the U.S. stock market, has done 4.28% year-to-date. Well, it's interesting. Half of that would be, say, value stocks, and half of those are growth. Well, the growth side has done phenomenal this year, and that's the only reason that it's done 4.28%, because the value side has knocked down the returns, and they've been negative. The NASDAQ, which would be more the growth side of the portfolio, it's done 24% year-to-date, which is kind of interesting because still that innovator fund was actually still better than the NASDAQ, actually triple the NASDAQ, just to give an idea of the risk. The Toronto stock market is minus 6% year-to-date. Emerging markets are are plus 1.15, and Europe is minus 7% year-to-date. So when you have a diversified portfolio, you likely are breaking even year-to-date. You would likely not be knocking it out of the park. So that's the first thing. Second thing is that this person has suggested is that the fees are a lot lower. And they suggested the fee would be 0.75 to 1%. And 0.75%, what they're just discussing was the advisory fee. The advisory fee was... 0.75. They didn't include the investment fee. And and such as that Fidelity fund, the investment fee was 1.16%. That has to be added to that. So I brought that to their attention. So again, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And it's very interesting. They have to have it all added together. What's all included? And going further, did it include a financial plan? Uh, No, it didn't include any financial planning. So when we looked at their situation, they had a 26% success rate if they continued at the rate they were going. So I I suggested, okay, we're not going to get this by trying to hit home runs, by putting you in the skinny branches of high-risk, high-return areas, but they also could have low returns. And as I mentioned earlier, those ones that were fantastic a year ago may be the worst performing the next year. In fact, when I looked into this fund further, it was very interesting actually dissecting it. It was the top fund out of the 100 funds year-to-date. But in the last week, it was the worst fund out of all the funds in the last week. Out of 100, it was hundredth. So the volatility was off the charts. You talk about that VIX index, Andy. This is way off the scales compared to it, yet they were told that it is in the same risk category, which couldn't be further from the truth. So at the end of the day, there is, as my securities prof always said, no free lunch, <laughs> meaning if you are going to have a certain amount of risk, you could get great returns, but you can also get very low returns. And there is a direct correlation. But look at the overall package. Don't just simply look at everything and really do your homework. So when we do take on clients, we, we are very transparent on what are the costs to invest and what you're getting. And that's probably why Annie and I do get a, a number of clients that want the whole comprehensive plan.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. You can leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com.
0: We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified... The guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900CHML.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Andy Lister, and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now, leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. We're talking about life-changing decisions This sounds serious.
3: It does sound, you know, you think about us coming through the pandemic over the last six, eight months. And it's been um, uh, for many people, it's been a wake up call to so many aspects of their life. You know, we've been used to our day to day routines, which have completely changed. We've been used to uh, more certainty around our jobs and certainly around our health. and, And now all of that is up in the air. And so we've seen a real pushed on these sort of life-changing decisions that people have uh, come to the conclusion that they need to make a change right now. And one of the phenomenons, well, the two phenomenons that that I think are uh, foremost in front center are retiring early, right? So, you know, they've realized either A, there's been impact economically at their job, and so now they've been either forced to, it could be a severance or something like that, or They were getting ready to retire and now with all the added stress of covid that um, they've decided to pull the trigger and retire now and the other big one is the selling of your home and moving your city home and moving to the country and i don't know if you Don, if you've experienced had clients who've talked about that or uh but the phenomena they were just looking at some of the real estate uh, numbers that there is a huge increase in sales activity but 70% of that sales activity was people outside of Toronto uh, in the GTA selling their, their, we'll call it a city home, and uh, moving to the country. And um, it, it's, it's phenomenal. And the amount of activity, uh, price wars are happening out there in um, cottage
2: country, in uh, rural areas. Niagara-on-the-Lake, um, uh, Collingwood, like you said, uh, it basically even rural Dundas. All the places that seemed to not, you know, were kind of sleepy. And all of a sudden they picked up.
3: Yeah. It's, and so this is really, you know, I, I think that the, the concern that I have as a financial planner is that when you're making these life-changing decisions, are you doing it based purely just on emotions, right? And a lot of time right now I think that they, they're sort of romanticizing that getting out into the country, having more room around me, being able to be outside, and uh, but I think that the problem is that you're it's it's really based on sort of a temporary event, and as much as we feel that this has changed everything, in many ways it is a temporary event. It will come to an end, and and there'll, there'll be some changes to the way we conduct our lives. But I don't know you you moving to a small town or to the country is a pretty big decision, and if you think about the the concept of buying low and uh, and, uh, and selling high, what's happening now is that, um, yes, we're trying to sell our home in the city, but the prices have gone crazy out in the country. So those have gone way up, and in fact, condo prices and rents have gone way down in the city. So if you were thinking about the, the investment process of buy low, sell high, you should actually be doing the reverse. You should be thinking about maybe buying a condo in Toronto, yes. which are down right now, and selling you know your 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 city and getting into the uh, back into the country uh, not into the country at this
1: point we've often heard it's impossible for younger people to get into the housing market especially in toronto uh, most of 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 housing prices continue to go up but as you mentioned the smaller condos are now going down is this an opportunity for first time buyers to get into the market
3: it is, and particularly if somebody's been ready to do that, they've been sort of building savings to get to that next step where they can get into home ownership and, and if they're if they're thinking about it from a long term perspective and not from a short term speculative perspective, where I'm going to rent it through Airbnb or I'm going mm-hmm. to rely on rental income, but if you're actually going to move into it and live there
2: for a period of time, and, and then, life after yeah. life after the pandemic, you know, if, exactly. if the pandemic wasn't any any longer an issue, where would you live? Exactly.
3: And you think about, so I, and I just, another thing I would comment on in small town, when you move into the country and into small town, small town acceptance, it's hard to get into the, get into the crowd. And I don't mean that in a mean way, but when you're an outsider coming into uh, uh, out in the country, uh, it takes years to establish yourself and establish new friendships. And you're always an outsider for, you know, at least a decade. Like it's, it's, it's not easy. So I think the best advice is find a place. If you could rent a place in the country for two or three months. I know there's an additional cost to that, but um, versus making, maybe making a mistake in terms of your timing right now, I think that's a better option to see if you can find a place to rent for two or three months. And, and just try and take the emotional decision out of it or, and help frame it a little bit better for you. And the other big one, which is retiring. And um, you know, I think that uh, with making an emotional decision around your retirement right now, you know, you're, you're going to suddenly switch over to, you know, what can I spend? How much money can I spend? Yeah, I'm more concerned about market volatility right now and watching it every day. I can't vacation because, uh, you know, we can't go anywhere right now. <clears throat> and, um, you know, so a lot of times people end up having to go back to work. So they make this decision. They do it quickly based on emotion and then find themselves scrambling because they weren't fully prepared. So, the bottom line with that, as Don and I do, is a complete comprehensive financial plan revisiting the financial plan, doing a Monte Carlo analysis to understand what, uh, how much volatility is associated with their portfolio. What is the probable outcomes of having a, a, a financial success? And, um, and basically just trying to understand, you know, that base- if you have a solid plan, you wouldn't be making the changes. You would still be following the plan unless for something like there was a job loss or a severance or a divorce or a debt, something like that, which is going to trigger a change to your financial plan. Otherwise, you just kind of want to stick to it and try and take emotions out of this at all times.
1: We have been planning your financial future and giving you some life advice as well. Uh, Here has been Andy Lister and Don Fox from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They will get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great week.